0: Since the advent of social media, it has become more difficult than ever to navigate adolescence. Our children are suffering. Sadly, some are even killing themselves over the abuse that they are enduring online. Today, psychoanalyst and clinical social worker, Erica Komazar, is here to help moms help their kids. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlitis, your host, and I am so glad that you are here again this week joining us. Uh, Thank you for stopping by. Uh, We want to go ahead and invite you right here at the top of the podcast to like and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also like to ask you to please go ahead and share this podcast with your mom friends. I also want to invite our moms that are listening to please join the movement here at Moms for America. Have you joined our movement? Well, it's really simple. You just go to our website, sign up for our newsletter and get involved. It's moms like us all across the country, uniting together for faith, family, freedom, and the constitution. You can check us out at our amazing website that has all of our information at momsforamerica.us. Again, that is momsforamerica.us. All righty. Well, today, Erica Komazar is my guest. Erica is a parent guidance expert that has been in private practice in New York City for over 30 years. She has been bringing parenting workshops to schools and to corporations for years. And her most recent book is Chicken Little, The Sky Isn't Falling, Raising Resilient Adolescents in the New Age of Anxiety. Welcome, Erica, to the Moms for America podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me today. All right, Erica, tell us a little bit. We'll always like to find out about everybody's tribe, what their household is like over there. Tell us about your family real quick, would you?
1: So I have three children. Uh, I have a 23 year old, uh, a 21 year old and an 18 year old, two sons and a daughter.
0: You got the same, almost the same lineup as I do. (laughs) So three kids and where, where are you guys at and how busy are you with them and what are they doing?
1: So I live in New York City. Um, They were raised in New York City, but now they're all over the place. Um, One is in Providence, one is in um, upstate New York, and one is about to go to medical school out in Colorado.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. It's something when they're now, they're adults now, and it's like, wow, the next phase, I'm, like I said, I'm in the same boat as you are. So uh, congratulations, mama.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And to you too. (laughs)
0: All right, Erica, let's start out talking um, about, we're going to talk about a lot of things here about anxiety and social media and bullying and all that stuff. But I kind of want to start out with bullying because we hear about this a lot. Um, It's a new world. It's a new day. Um, The differences of my 23, 24-year-old versus even my 18-year-old, You know, even just the span of our children, right? It's changed so dramatically. I don't even know how it would be to raise a child uh, with social media in this generation talk about tough um can you let's just talk briefly about cyberbullying and is this happening with boys is this happening with girls um is it the peers what is this culture of cyberbullying that's happening with our children all across the country it's shocking and it's horrible
1: yeah well bullying always existed um right. you know you'd say schoolyard bullying always existed but the difference is and i was interviewed by michael smirkanish um, last year. And he said it best. He said, I think, you know, when I was a kid, he said, I had a bad haircut and, you know, everyone that was close to me made fun of me. And it was a small circle of people and they teased me. And, but then it went away. Right. He said today, my bad haircut would have been, that picture would have been posted on social media. It would have been spread around the school. Maybe it would have been spread around all the schools in the area. And I would have suffered from humiliation and shame uh, and it just, everything is bigger and louder and more intense because of social media. Um, and you know, the information age in many ways has been a good thing. And in many ways, has been a really bad thing. Um, right.
0: it's a double-edged for sword our, for not
1: just our kids, but for us too, as adults. So, so yeah, it's a new age of bullying because it, it is bigger and louder and more intense and it's got bigger reach and it lasts longer. Uh, you know, again, a bad haircut only lasted as long as the bad haircut. Now that picture can last on social media and on the internet forever.
0: Right. And then they adjust and then they lie. I think the truth was right. When we were run into a, a problem at school, you were at least dealing with somewhat of the truth. It was bad haircut. But now they'll right. change your gender. They'll put you on another person. They'll claim that you did this. They, you know, I mean, it's um. They talk about a new level of harassment. That's what I call literally just it, harassment. Um, this new level there's, that there's, it's called. Yeah, there's new, another
1: issue too. There's another issue too. Is that that adults were not very good at being present during bullying. Mm -hmm. Uh, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, adults had an attitude, kids will be kids and they have to work it out themselves. I can't say adults were very proactive uh, about bullying even, you know, two generations ago. But at least they were physically able to see the bullying. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could see when a kid was beaten up, you could Mm -hmm. see someone in the hall that was being pushed around. And Mm -hmm. um, today, adults don't have access to the corners that this bullying is happening and that's the problem. So if the adults were not present 50 years ago, they're even less present now as the bullying is happening.
0: That's true because a lot of this happens in secret shame. That's Um, right. And do the kids actually talk to their parents about this or do we find that they don't? Um, I I didn't have a lot of that, but my daughter had some, you know, girls are the worst, the mean girls. Mean girls are even meaner now on social media. and the boys kind of just get in and get out and forget it, you know, they have the altercation. But um do, you, do you, so the, is this the, done in secret mostly? Yeah, the
1: kids the kids that talk to their parents do better than the kids yeah. that don't talk to their parents. Um, you know, I I wrote a book and I actually wrote my own personal story in that book because um You know the the book Chicken Little. You know I was bullied as a middle schooler, and um, but I had a very close relationship with my parents, and I was able to talk to them, and they were able to help me. A lot of kids aren't aren't communicating with their parents about anything, about their pain on any level. And so, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is we have to be closer to our children so they feel they can communicate their pain to us. It's the kids who don't communicate to their parents that are in the worst situations yeah. um and so when when kids can communicate to their parents they tend to do better
0: because sure. they tend
1: to be more expressive anyway right. mm-hmm.
0: and then maybe there's an answer maybe there's hope you know we have all has, parents have had to protect our children <laughs> so whether it's some type of stalking or uh terrorizing at school I mean and I know they don't want to tell their parents because then the parents go and figure it out but You know, sometimes you might even switch schools. I mean, there's always an answer to helping your child. And that's what I always said to our our kids is we want to help you. We're here. We're your greatest protectors. So, you know, we have to, like you said, the communication has to be open.
1: And it's often the kids who don't express their, you know, their depressed feelings that that end up attempting suicide. It's the same issue. If you can't communicate and articulate verbally how you're feeling to your parents, there's a higher risk for those children.
0: What about the um, acceleration of this bullying? It's really tormenting. I mean, it's it's very vile and disgusting and it's horrific. And it is causing kids to take their own lives, unfortunately. I mean, this is a sad situation. Why is it so bad? What in the world has happened? I know if we, this is the million dollar question, but why so bad?
1: So aggression has always been something in children and adolescents, in particular, and particularly in middle school, that that parents yeah. have needed to help their children to regulate. Meaning, it's a period of development, particularly what we call middle adolescence, which is middle middle school. You know, uh, it's about thirteen to about eighteen, um, and and it's it sort of goes. Through uh, through middle school into high school, but really middle school is the worst because the hormones right. are fluctuating. Always has been, yeah. It always has been socially. It's a minefield, and the hormones are fluctuating. It's it's the period when they're most active with puberty, and it's just a really bad. It's it. I don't think anybody would say middle school was a great time in my life. It basically right. sucked. It's a time <laughs> it just is really really bad. It was tough,
0: been, yeah. You
1: know, yeah. But the one thing we know is that aggression is at its peak, insecurity is at its peak, self consciousness is at its peak, and that mm-hmm. has to do with brain development. So if you, you know, I won't go into the the details of it, but there's a lot of what we call discrepant brain development during middle school, in particular, but through adolescence, that causes kids to be really have their moods fluctuate, but be much more aggressive. And so they need mm-hmm. their aggression regulated, and if parents don't know how to regulate their adolescence aggression if they haven't started to do that before middle school, if there's no prelude to middle school aggression in terms of regulating those feelings. And by regulating, I mean- What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? helping children to modulate that feeling, helping children to put it into words, to express Mm. it appropriately, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, how we tell people we're angry at them, how how we tell people we feel uh, afraid. You know, a lot of the aggression that we see in middle school has to do with fear. Mm. Um, It's fear of not fitting in. It's fear of the other. It's fear of um, when someone is different than yourself. There's a lot of fear of not belonging to a tribe. So if you don't fit into a group, if you don't fit into a tribe, if you're not accepted by a tribe, even if the tribe is small, um, then you're really lost in middle school. And so there's a lot of fear and a lot of that fear causes kids to uh, exclude other kids, to reject other kids, to not say anything when there's exclusion and aggression and bullying going on um, because they're so frightened that they'll, they'll be next. They'll be the ones mm. who are cast out, who are, um, you know, alone. And right. to be alone is the worst thing in middle school, uh, particularly right. middle school. Um, if you don't have a tribe, you're most at risk. So what I say to parents is if, you're, if your child's is is without friends seems to be without a group of friends in middle school that's when you want to be worried
0: okay okay good to know now when you're talking about fear um that plays into anxiety which is kind of where i want to go now with the interview because we talk a lot about anxiety right now with our kids um and it's it's all of us that are raising kids in this society understanding that anxiety is a true issue um why is it more complicated why is it more intense right now why is the pressure are we pressurizing are the kids being pressured more or um i mean it's a combination i guess we can all kind of put two and two together but is there more pressure on them for the anxiety or is it just the whole collection
1: anxiety is fear it's just another way to describe intense fear fear that you can handle fear that express that gets expressed through your body what we say somatically Um, So anxiety is fear expressed through your body, essentially. Um, And fear that is out of control, fear that you can't control becomes anxiety. Um, Mm. And, you know, essentially kids are more frightened because there's more things to be frightened of and more intense things to be frightened of. Um, And not enough. um, There's no there are no buffers. So what I mean by that is there is more academic pressure. Uh, there's more competition than ever before, um, because all of these kids are being in this country are being funneled mm. like all of the kids are being funneled into the same funnel to get into college. And it's pressure cooker. It's literally like hot housing children. Um, so there's that pressure. And then you have parents worrying about their kids getting into the funnel. And so there's all of the anxiety, even if parents don't quote unquote pressure their children and say, oh, you've got to get A's. And there's a lot of parents that do that too. Um, But even if they don't verbally say, you have to get into a good college, there's so much anxiety in parents about their kids succeeding in the world Mm -hmm. and getting into that funnel that the children pick up on a meta level on their parents' anxiety about them succeeding. So even when parents say the right things, if underneath they feel anxious, their children pick up on their anxiety. So um, there's fear of not getting into that funnel. But there's a lot a lot more fear too. I mean there's there's um social media makes them feel more exposed. They're right. more exposed, they're overstimulated, they're overexposed. Yes. And yes. there used to be places to hide out. There used to be ways to cut off from the world and in a healthy way, dissociate, feel defended and protected from the world. There is no protection anymore for our kids. They are constantly exposed, exposed to violence, exposed to sexuality uh, in, in film, in media. Um, they're, they're constantly raw and exposed. And so all of that combined, both external and internal things, um, combined to, it, it, it is a multivariable thing, to make them mm-hmm. more fragile. They are more fragile and more um, sort of uh, ready to break down, let me say.
0: The repercussions of our culture and our society, not really protecting our children. So these statistics from the National Alliance on Mental Illness show that one in five teenagers have or will have a serious mental illness. That's exactly, right. to, exactly to your point then, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I also wanna talk about drugs for a minute um, mm. because drugs have increased um, some of the mental breakdowns we're seeing, particularly the depressive and the anxiety breakdowns and panic attacks and depersonalizations. Um, marijuana is not the marijuana. my generation
0: can you say that again can you say that again i keep trying to tell this to moms they've got to understand
1: marijuana (laughs) marijuana is technically according to the research marijuana is three to ten times stronger than the marijuana that we grew up with right so so when in in my generation i'm almost 60 and when in my generation they said marijuana wasn't addictive it's because marijuana was a very benign kind of drug which you could do every once in a while and it wasn't it was neither physically nor emotionally and if you did get addicted it was emotionally the problem is marijuana is actually physically addictive now don't let anybody tell you it's not Uh, it changes body and brain chemistry and it is used to self-medicate and these kids are self-medicating A lot of their fears, um, they're escaping a lot of their frustrations and their discomfort and their fears. And once they start go down that path, they're more like a gateway drug. Yeah, it's a gateway drug, but also things like psilocybin, magic mushrooms, um, any kind of psychedelic, they are more readily available and kids are having breakdowns. So when you hear your local kid breaking down, uh You'd be surprised most of them have had what we call depersonalization events from marijuana or Dep- suicide.
0: Okay. Talk about depersonalization situations. So
1: so when we say a kid has had a mental breakdown and has been hospitalized and you know uh, has dropped out of school or dropped out of college, I would say probably eight out of ten times it's because marijuana combined with their anxiety made them break down. So and and they're being exposed to marijuana as early as thirteen years old. I mean, at thirteen, kids in New York City are smoking pot and. And again, if you smell the stuff, you go, oh my God, this is not, you know, so it drives me crazy as a therapist that they've made it legal. And I argue with my husband because he says making it legal doesn't matter. For me, it does because it condones a substance that is deadly for our children. So, yeah.
0: I agree. And then you put vaping on top of that. That's kind of a new masking and a new approach that is caught on like crazy with our teens right
1: well because they can vape with the with with the substance in it with so marijuana smoking a joint isn't the only way that you can get the thc right you can get it through vaping and nicotine isn't good for children either but really it's when they're vaping um the the toxicity of what they're vaping is is really yeah
0: and, and then we hear that they're, you know, it's a simple, it's easy, right? When we used to smoke a cigarette or a joint or whatever, you had a whole different, it was a whole different approach. This you can put in your pocket, you can smoke in the bathrooms, vape in the bathroom, you can do these things. It's like a, it's like a clean highway, meaning easy.
1: Well, it's also condensed. So if you think about, you know, I always think right. about it. We say to people, remember orange juice when we were kids? You know, the one that you had in the freezer that you had to dilute with water, you know, yes. nobody remembers that anymore. No, I, I remember
0: that. that. I remember
1: that. Yeah, and then you yeah. so that's what it's like. Yeah. You're basically okay. talking about a much more intense experience of drugs, which by the way, is addictive. It mm-hmm. is addictive. It's why all of these programs for marijuana addiction are popping up. Um, and then you add to that having um, a psilocybin or a bad trip for these kids. And these kids are ending up jumping off of buildings. And people are asking, why is there more suicide? And I said, it's the combination of more emotional fragility, more pressure on these kids, more to be scared of in the world, and more intense and available drugs. And That is a very bad combination.
0: All right, Erica, you've just laid it out what the issues are. Um, I know all of us as moms relate to some level of this. What do we do? Where do we go? How do we handle it? Um, mm-hmm. Break it down for me here.
1: Right. So one Better communication with your kids. Remember I said that if your kids are telling you about bullying, you have a better chance that they will not do something harmful to themselves because of bullying. If they're, if they're telling you that they're feeling depressed or anxious, you have a better chance of helping them. So right. better communication, more open communication. Talk about depression. Talk about anxiety. Talk about mental illness. Talk about drugs. Talk to your kids. Scare, your, scare the hell out of your kids about drugs. Scare the hell out of your kids about alcohol. Scare yeah. them. People are because they're running
0: because the kids are gonna to run to it at such a younger age because of all of the the anxiety, the stress, the the situation, the culture. It's not like people dealt were 16, 18, 21 dealing with this. Now it's seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. I don't even know. How early are we seeing this happen?
1: Oh, well, I mean, adolescence starts at nine. And I think these kids in New York city, kids are exposed to alcohol and drugs. As I said, as early as, you know, 13, 12, 13, really. They're starting that early.
0: We've even heard seven, eight, nine-year-olds have gotten.
1: Well, that can happen too, particularly if they have older siblings, but I would say on a regular basis, uh, you know, and there's always, you know, it's, it's sold in schools. There's always somebody who's selling pot in schools. And so I think, um, uh, you know, scare them. Scare mm. them about the intensity of the drugs. Talk to them about the depersonalization and the psychotic events you have, where you actually lose yourself, where you actually right. can lose yourself, and have a very hard time coming back. Um, scare them. Um, and, you know, and and lastly, be as present as possible. I mean, I wrote two books about the two critical windows of brain development. Zero to three was my first book. The next was the second critical window, which is adolescence, which is nine to 25. You have that big a window to have an mm-hmm. influence over your children's ability to regulate their emotions. Um, and so be as physically and emotionally present and as open as possible. And lastly, when they show signs of struggle. and Kids who've had the best upbringings, the most loving mothers and the most loving fathers, sure. um, kids who seemingly have, you know, are athletic and, and are doing well in school that you would say would never have an issue. Those kids can have breakdowns. And when they do, and yeah. you start to see signs. Even just the most minor signs. Don't hesitate. Don't take the attitude that it will go away and that you should wait for another day. Like Scarlett O'Hara, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Don't yeah. wait to deal with it tomorrow because there may not be a tomorrow. Uh, get them to see a therapist as quickly as possible. Get them, and preferably a talk therapist first. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with with uh, with younger children, a play therapist. With older children, adolescents, a talk therapist. Um, and, and not necessarily a psychiatrist unless they're suicidal because psychiatrists are going to put them on medication. Right. Some of them may need medication, but many of them don't. So right. get and them men- to a, what they call a psychodynamic psychotherapist. And then if they need medication, they'll refer them to a psychiatrist. But the idea is don't hesitate to reach out for help. Don't mm-hmm. hesitate to get them help.
0: And I think too, just from talking with, you know, this, gen, this next generation that we're raising, you know, many of them are going to counseling. This is very, I know trendy is probably the wrong word, but it's very popular. It's very necessary. Um, the other thing that I see too, is that a lot of kids now will tell me um, that they only have social friends online. Nobody has a community, right? We used to go and play softball three days a week, at, right. at, you know, or we used to go play basketball. And I, believe me, I have my kids all doing this still, but it's it's an effort now because it doesn't just happen organically. You have to organize it um, because kids are either par- parents aren't around or they're afraid to let them go or there's nothing coordinated. We used to all just hang out after school, ride our bikes and always be out doing. But a lot of them are just growing up virtual. They don't have real friendships. And parents yeah. have got to. They got to figure something out for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an issue. Um, the fact that kids have more virtual friends than real friends and that their community was always a very important part of right. of supporting them, particularly as they're separating from their parents, the idea that they had a peer group, uh, that they had a tribe, was very, very important. You know, just to be clear, adolescence, particularly middle school, was always a depressing period. It was always a period right. where kids... Had depression. So, depression wasn't always clinical depression. The issue today is that Mm, kids aren't capable of coping uh, with the frustration and the challenges. They aren't capable, they're more fragile and they escape into drugs they escape into video games, they escape into technology and social media, they have more escapes. So that way they don't, they can't tolerate the depression. It's mm. it's important because as adults, we have depression that we, it's not clinical depression, but we have bad days, we have feelings of depression, but we, we are able to cope with it and stick with it. Today, right. middle schoolers are not able to cope, and that way they use the many escapes. There are many more escapes, uh, and there are too few really good ones. So community, friends, that was a very positive escape, but now they're using all of these negative ones.
0: Right. And none of us grew up with cell phones. None of us grew up with this super highway in our pocket that could take no. us anywhere.
1: That's the and- escape. Right. That's escape.
0: And then the the influencers that are counseling them, the websites that they're being directed to, um, you know, their their mentors are not mentors, but in their mind they think that they are. So it it's definitely just a new culture, and I know that we just we have to deal with the reality of it. Now, there's a uh, 2018 study that reported that children and teens do better in terms of their mental health when they are raised in a family with religious or spiritual practices. No surprise to me, but um, it's nice that it's being recognized, the importance of having a spiritual home where you can pray, teach um, your children. Uh, there's a foundation.
1: It was also about community. So it was as much about God and and prayer and faith as it was about community. When mm-hmm. you're in a faith-based community, whatever your faith is, you have a community Right. It's another form. You know, there are church groups or synagogue groups or youth groups, youth groups. So uh, they were they were faith based. And I think the idea is that um, a lot of these kids who didn't have community in their schools uh, couldn't find their community would find their community in their faith based communities. So it's just taken away again, another form of community. But yes, also the idea of faith um, offers kids an option in terms of a more positive escape, meaning there are some escapes Mm. that are good escapes, right? Right. So, um, you know, going to nature, sports, um, you know, praying or having God uh, on your side, those were all very positive uh, ways to cope with frustration and depression and and fear. And kids don't have as many positive places to go, but they have many more negative places to go.
0: Right. Yeah. Um I know you just did a great wrap up on that but your book what I love about your book is I love this Raising Resilient Adolescents in the New Age of Anxiety. Last comments that it is possible to raise resilient adolescents in an anxiety-based new age. Yeah. I mean we we can and, do it. Yeah. Tell yeah. our mamas we can do it.
1: You can do it and that doesn't <laughs> raising resilient adolescents doesn't mean that they won't struggle. So kids may still struggle, they may still get anxious, they may still get depressed, but they won't collapse because of it. So the idea that you're a failure as a parent because your child is struggling, that's a myth. Um, And that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is you can prevent some of these things from happening to your child and when they do happen, uh, you can do something about them. So no, it's not, all is not lost and there is hope and the hope is you. The hope is you as parents, yes, that's you are so the true. hope for your children. If you are, um, right. if you are not knowledgeable, if you're not present, uh, if you're not interested, if you don't care, then, then your, your children are lost, but you are the hope for your children.
0: That's what we say. The moms are the heartbeat of their home. They're the heartbeat yeah. of this country. Um, go ahead let us know the title of the book again and where we can find it, Erica.
1: It's Chicken Little, The Sky Isn't Falling, Raising Resilient Adolescents in the New Age of Anxiety. And you can get it on Amazon. You can go on my website, uh, com, or any of the online bookstores have it.
0: Well, thank you, Erica. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. Um, there's something to just taking some time out and saying, you know what? Our kids are a priority. What can we do to make their life better? And how can the mamas help? So thank you. And God bless what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, before
0: we leave today, I want to just have a couple of quick announcements here. I want to remind you and invite you to stop by our website and visit us, visit us there at momsforamerica.us. Again, the website is momsforamerica.us. Uh check out all our amazing resources, events, and programs there. Also, if you have an idea for the podcast, the topic, or you have any feedback, would you please email me? It goes right to me here at podcast at momsforamerica.net. I'd love to hear from you and any suggestions you may have. Also, have you had a chance to check out the cottage meetings? Well, I, I sure hope you can because... This is our signature program. It's 12 lessons that will inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage. So then you can then share those principles of liberty in your home and in your community. It is really excellent. This program, along with so many of the other programs and initiatives and information on our website, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. We say from parental rights to public policy, Moms for America has it all, right? From the kitchen table to Congress, we've got it. So please step by our website. We are here for you, moms. Lastly, we want to invite you to sign up for our newsletter that uh, will help you get educated on the issues and the initiatives that relate to you as a mom. And you can go ahead and do that right on our website. We say this every week, mamas. We believe that liberty begins at home. And we believe that you moms are truly the heartbeat of America. That is why this movement is so powerful, because it's moms just like you and I that are going to save our country for our children. All righty, moms, thanks so much. And uh, join me next week. And let's keep changing our world, one home at a time. Thank you.